And now, a Blaze Media podcast. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent. And today, we're going to have a principled discussion. If you're listening to this, I pretty much can guarantee you're feeling like a good chunk of the country is feeling that Tuesday didn't go quite the way we planned you know i don't talk about politics an awful lot but i am involved in it i'm involved in it behind the scenes and we talk amongst ourselves with consultants and i always love people in the public eye in the media where they'll come up with these great terms they'll talk about elections well i heard some people talk about a, a red tsunami a red wave and what did you get a red itty bitty tickle Why did this happen? It's time to be blunt, America. It's time to be honest, and it's time to have an honest discussion. I thought you'd win more seats than you did in the House, and I thought you'd barely scrape the Senate. The reason for this is because there's this old term that there's two Americas. Well, there's two Republican parties. A national party which is spineless, which is weak, which is cowardly but also has no idea of what you want or how to reach out to you. The messaging from the Republican Party, and this is not a 2022 thing or a 2020 thing. This is a my lifelong experience of this party, is they have not got a clue how to organize a simple message, unite behind it, and start talking to the voters and sharing that message. And that it is a message that inspires you, that makes you want to get involved, that makes you want to get up in the morning and go, I'm a Republican, and I'm proud of it. I want to contrast two Republican parties. Because it's not all doom and gloom. I'm going to give you some solutions today as we talk about what happened last night. It's not all, oh my God, it's horrible, the country's over. It's not. This country has shown something over the last 20 years that it's more resilient than the average American gives it credit for. A part of the party that we can learn from. And that I believe is the future of this party and of this country. If we rally behind, not the person I'm going to say, but the way they act. And that is Ron DeSantis. Now, before everyone gets off and says, well, what, do you want him to be president in 2024, John? This is not the point, and this is not the time to have that discussion. I want to give you some hard numbers. When Ron DeSantis was elected governor of Florida, America and the world was a much different place. 
Like I guarantee you, the vast majority of people in America had never heard of Ron DeSantis before when he became governor. Heck, I'd probably go as far as to say, unless you're a political insider or is really savvy and follows politics on a day-to-day basis, even when he was governor for the first year, you never knew the name Ron DeSantis. Or if you did, you might go, oh, it's, he's a politician, right? Or what does he do again? You know him now. Why? Because when the COVID lockdown was going crazy, he stood up. He stood up to the, the names that the left loves to give him. Do you remember the view? Ron Death Santos. Oh my God, he's opened up the state. The old people are going to die. My God, what will happen? Hmm. Let's put it this way, if I may use a comparison. The left thought millions were going to die in Florida. They thought there was going to be a death wave. And it was a little bit tickle. Yet last night we were supposed to get this red wave and what did you get? A little tickle. What's happening in your country right now is Ron DeSantis stood up and said, you know what? When it comes to the health of your life and of your kids and of your grandkids, I trust you to make the right decision. I'm going to empower you. If you are vulnerable and you think that you might get COVID and you might be at a high chance of morbidity, I'm sorry for you, but you make your own choice. You shelter in place. You look after yourself. I am not going to tell you. I know what's best for you, and I'm going to tell you how to live. Now, you stay in your house because I'm the compassionate leader. Oh, look at me. That's what the left does. He said, if you run a business and you want to run it, go run it. Set up, be safe social distance and wash your hands, blah, 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 all these things that they came out with saying. Wear a mask if you want to, even though the science now has said that masks don't work. But you do you, boo. It's such a simple message. I am not going to tell you how to live your life. I am not going to tell you what medicine you can or cannot take. And I am not going to tell you whether you can run your business and provide for your family. This made Ron DeSantis a rock star. But he wasn't quite done there. He's has since been a leader on COVID, but he's been a leader on other things like CRT and standing up to the woke brigade. What was the result? The result in America was simple. Last night, Ron DeSantis probably became the most successful governor in Florida history. He won 59.4% of the vote compared to Charlie Crist, his meager 40%. To show you how dominant that is in actual numbers, more than 1.5 million people more voted for DeSantis than they did for Charlie Crist. Not only was he successful by himself, in areas like Miami-Dade, Miami-Dade used to be lefty as lefty can be, and then it became purple, and now, because of Ron DeSantis, it's largely Republican on last night's performance. But not only did he do what he's supposed to do and win his own race, as the leader of the ticket, as the head of the table, you're supposed to bring people along with you. This is where I bring you back to some of my consultancy friends who express some concern about certain races. 
One of the races, not four weeks to go, they were concerned about. They said he'll still win, but were concerned about it, was Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio won last night, hands down, 57 to 41. But that's not only where it stops. You see, when Ron DeSantis wasn't governor, do you remember those dark old days, Florida, when Ron DeSantis wasn't governor? Well, the numbers were Florida was a purple state. Florida was mm, iffy. There's 28 congressional districts in Florida, to give you some numbers. It has 28 people in Congress. Right now, only eight of those 28 are Democrats. Last night, Florida had four pickups for the GOP. In large part, thanks to Ron DeSantis being the leader in the top of the ticket, the head of the table. That is what you're supposed to do. That is Ron DeSantis, a man standing for principle and a man who has a message and can deliver it articulately, clearly, concisely, and without anger. He's not angry. He's passionate. Now let's look at the rest of the country. What happens? Nothing. You know what frustrates me? And I'll make this personal about myself, but you can talk about other states as you want. Florida has always been a purple state. I'm old enough, and I'm going to reveal my age here. I'm old enough that I remember selected, not elected. I remember Florida been a swing state. I think it's safe to say that Florida right now is the most conservative state in the nation. And while I celebrate for Floridians, while I celebrate for people like Ron DeSantis, I'm also very jealous and envious because I look at a state that I live in, in Oklahoma. Why, oh why, oh why can we not follow the same example? Messaging is not hard. You listen to your voters, you listen to the people, you see what their concerns are, and you come up with a plan to stop it. Last night should have been a massive, massive red wave. If I was drawing up a map with some of the political consultants, my friend, and said, you know what, what would be the dream scenario to go into an election as a Republican, quote unquote? I would have said, economy about to fall, and everyone knows it, rampant inflation, mortgage prices going up the wazoo, gas prices at near highs, a president that is old, incompetent, moralist, feeble, weak, every adjective under the sun that cannot mobilize his own base or her base, I would say these are all the scenarios to get a massive election win for Republicans. And what did the Republican Party do? Absolutely nothing. I'm reminded of the old song. It was an Asian song, I believe. It was, who, ah, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. This is the Republican Party. This is the Republican Party that yet, and along with, along with Fox News, still listens to people like Carl freaking Rove. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Carl Rove. The guy that nearly blew the 2004 election when it should have been a handiest election win for George Bush. That's the guy you're still listening to? What's Carl Rove ever done in his life? Seriously?
Well, he was George Bush's chief of staff. Great, wonderful. Was George Bush someone we should look up to? Compare George Bush to Ron DeSantis. Hmm. I'll let you sue on that one. America, we have a choice. It's time to start getting involved. It's time to start making the case for why America is a great nation. It's time to start making the case for leaving people alone, drill baby drill, and let us stand up to the woke nonsense that a boy who has a penis is a boy and a girl who has a vagina is a girl. Now, if you're identifying differently or you're transitioning or doing whatever you're doing, good for you. But don't make us go along with it. Don't make us accept it. Don't make us give kids puberty blockers. Oh, by the way, that's something else Ron DeSantis is now fighting in Florida. Health officials have changed the law in Florida. Did you know this? That says any minor cannot get transitioning medication. Wow. You want to start learning how to win elections? Look at Florida. Use it as a case study and take it forward. I admit I was a bit angry and a bit passionate, but that's okay because I care for this country. This is my country now. And with that said, I'm going to welcome our co-host and executive producer, Tina, um, to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. And you're going to calm me down and tell me where I was wrong. Hi, Jonathan. You were a little bit upset, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Because I love this nation so much and I firmly believe your people deserve better. And when I watch people and when I work behind the scenes with people and I see utter cowardice, spinelessness, wimpiness, and they're so afraid of offending anyone, it's like, mm, I just want to shake people. I am a bit naive. I was a believer of the narrative that there was going to be a red wave. I mm -hmm. took that all in. And then when we had a little bit of a red wave drip, and as my mm -hmm. mom used to say, it all went to hell in a handbasket, didn't it? <laughs> it sure did. And it went quickly, right? So it, it really did. Um, you know, Rand Paul won very early, Ron DeSantis won very early, and then it just seemed to be, there was some other good results, like Christy Noem and stuff like that. But then there was so many other results, and then you're waiting so long, and then you've got all the issues. So what was your takeaway from, from Tuesday night? Well, a couple of things that you mentioned you said that Republicans really did not project a strong message, a strong mm -hmm. central message. Mm -hmm. My question is then, as a Democrat, do Democrats wake up and say, I'm a Democrat, let's go seize the day. And what was their strong message if they had one that made it so we did not see a red to tsunami? How did you pronounce it? I pronounced it really badly. I should not be on the air. <laughs> it's tsunami, Jonathan. Tsun tsunami. The there you go. Is silent. All right, like but, the, like the P in Sasaki. That's right. So yeah. What did they so. do to stop that red wave? So I think there was two things. I think one. Look, if you're a Democrat, and I mean this in the let me use the actual language. If you're a far left progressive. You know exactly what you were fighting for. Um, you know, you, you're fighting because you hate Trump. 
and Trump been out there. Look, you can argue whether there's a net positive or a net negative. That's up. Ultimately, this is only up to your own opinion. Um, you know, but you know that will. Like, if anytime Donald Trump does a rally in any state, you're going to galvanize the opposite. You're going to galvanize your own side as well to a point, but you're also going to galvanize the opposite side. Um, it's they're very clear in what they want. Like if you let me give you like the left's agenda is pretty clear: abortion, on demand, at will, shout your abortion. A boy's a boy. A boy's a girl. A girl can be a boy. A boy can be a boy. A boy can be transitioning. A boy cannot be a boy. A girl cannot be a girl. They're just you can be anything you want, right? America is evil, vile, and racist, and we need CRT in classrooms. Um, they're not so consistent anymore on police. Like the whole, there's still a part of the Democrat which is like to fund the police and stuff. Like I was up in Michigan and there was a, ra- a little small rally of like twenty people. And they were on the corner and they were saying, um, you know, the fancy slogan, defund the police and invest in communities. Like, yeah, like that's going to stop criminals. You know, that kind of way. It's like, you know, it's 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 hilarious when you when you follow this logic. Um, but you kind of know what you're standing for. So when now if we flip it onto the Republican side, and I'd ask you, because, you know, I, I, I saw the inside. Maybe you can you can correct me on this on messaging. What was their plan to stop inflation? I don't think that they're really was a plan that they put out there. However, like I said, I'm one of those that believed because there was this huge rallying cry from the right that inflation is out of control with those that are in control that we need to make a change. And I am simple, I guess. And I thought that was going to be enough. What you saw was Republican areas got more Republican, Democratic also got more Democratic. You know, like the mayor's race up in the Northeast in Massachusetts, and that was a Republican. It's now back to a Democrat, you know, and, you know, while we're on that note, the, the, we have we, ha- we have officially got our first lesbian um, person in a governor and mansion. So can we all get a round of applause for that? That is one oh, of the No round of applause. That is one of the credentials. It is. But like the left know exactly who they are for. But wh- what did the right stand for? Like even gas prices, right? You know, like gas prices, the sad thing is there's a there's a theory out there called the normalcy bias. And what it basically is, is that, you know, when you have a massive change in life, um, it becomes, you know, it's it draws up a lot of emotions. But then all of a sudden you become used to it. I think if last vast majority of Americans, especially around me, have become used to $3 a gallon. And we're thankful for $3 a gallon because thank God it's not like five like it was in the summer. And then you have the president going around bragging, well, he's bringing down gas prices because they're down so much over the last, you know, 60 days or 90 days or whatever the tweet is now. Whereas we need to start reminding that, hey, you know, gas used to be a dollar eighty. What was it, dollar eighty-seven when Trump left office? I believe what so. was the plan? What was the plan from the Republicans to get that back? Are you asking? And the me? Prop- yes, is I that am a rhetorical question. You can answer it. If you have an answer, please tell me, because I would love to know. Uh, Being honest with you, full disclosure here, if you can give me an answer to either the question on inflation or the question on gas, it'll be the first answer I've heard from a Republican. I I thought the whole thing was just about drilling here. (laughs) But how do you get that to actually turn into a reality? I thought that was going to be when we could switch Congress around, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. But they would then said it's the president's job to sign leases. They would have just abdicated their responsibility. So this is the problem that the people are frustrated, and your people are good people. Like I believe 
in the saying when Martin Luther King said about Americans. So when the American people are always are given a choice between really evil good, they will always choose real good. The problem is, is that you're not given a choice of real good anymore. That's the problem. Now, I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm very upset about what happened last night because I truly love this country. It's my home now. So not only do I love your country, I've also got a vested interest in it because I live here. You know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I want to be successful at what I do. I want to make some money. I want to be able to put food on the table. So naturally, I wanted to be free and prosperous. I'm here now. I've got, you know, I've kind of, you know, teased you all saying I've got skin in the game now. Before, I always wanted you to be successful because I loved you and I kind of, you know, somewhat idolized you because you changed the world and I'm so thankful for America. But now I live here. I, I still have that same love and passion, but I have skin in the game and I want to make it better. And I'm frustrated. But there are some positives from last night. Did you have any positives from last night? Like your state is a massive positive. Do you want to tell what happened in your state last night and what well, happened in the run up to the election? Mike Lee won with a resounding victory. Did you get to see all the games that were being played, you know, by the team, by all the media coming out and against him and the polls showing it was a lot closer than it actually was to make him look like he was going to lose? I remember a lot of we we got a lot of flyers in our mail about how we were being lied about what Mullins was for and what he was against, that it was sorry, all sorry, a sorry. big conspiracy against him. Sorry, who, 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 who did I say? What did you say? Was it, was it McMullen? <laughs> yeah. No, we're part of the blaze on the blaze. We call them McMuffin. <laughs> Apparently that's a new rule. Did you not get your Glenn Beck talking points this morning? <laughs> I must not have, but that's all I remember is just getting these flyers. I, that's all I remember. It was a very contentious race. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, there were people saying that it was close, but I never thought it was. And then the church came out and attacked him as well. They did? Who did they attack? Mm -hmm. Mike Lee. When? Oh, a couple of weeks ago. About what? I didn't oh, that he's a, a liar and that he's not good for things and he doesn't represent the state. Yeah. No, I don't Part think of your so. Church. No, I would um, like to see that. Yeah? I'll have to disagree I'll see if I can find that. a few. That's because fine. The, the church stays out of politics. I mean, they're they won't endorse a candidate, right? Maybe maybe it was only part of maybe it was only one of the lower people. I'm not sure. I just heard about it that there was a lot of things in the church came out and, and kind of tried to discredit Mike Lee. But no. you know, we can figure that out. Yeah, I you, don't think so. That's a lie, Jonathan. The, okay, that's fine. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'll lead with my mistakes. I always do. In the last couple of weeks, I last couple of months, I've had so much information going to my brain that you know maybe I mis misread something or misinterpreted something. So I'll, I'll we look that up and find okay. out. Well, can I tell you, but, I am very disappointed in the American people for two reasons. Okay. I think that they they let fear drive their vote for the abortion thing because I think the left was really great about this a vote for a Republican or a conservative candidate means that you're not going to be getting, be able to get an abortion anywhere to the point that if your life is in danger, then we would rather have you die than give you that abortion. I think they were great about that. They instilled so much fear into women. I think that was a huge selling point for them. Number one. And number two, I don't know if, 
I don't understand. Like, how does Newsom win again? I don't understand. <laughs> Who are they listening to? Are they so confused about what is going on or have no idea what's going on that they just vote for the old standby? I'm disappointed. I tried. I stopped trying to give up or try, stop trying to understand California a very, very long time ago. Because just your you got to wrap your head around the pretzels you know they, do you hear about this video game that came out i just to make an analogy this video game came out where it's like a console on your head and if you die in the game your brain literally crushes apparently it's whatever it can do in virtual reality to you it's got the power of it i think if you try and play a game of trying to understand california i think your brain dies i think your brain just goes sorry can't compute need to you know restore restore factory settings it's just like they're so used to living in the muck yeah. that they're okay with staying in the muck. Yeah. But did you see some of the funny sides? Because I got to have some humor to this. Did you see some of the funny stories coming out from Tuesday night? Speaking of California? No. Why don't you enlighten me? Oh, uh, the, the Young Turks? No. The the Young Turks, um, there was a power outage and they couldn't go. They, were, they couldn't uh, get online to do their election night coverage because there was a power outage. Maybe you might want to think about why that happens. I, I don't know. Maybe something to do with the policies of the government, which, by the way, the Young Turks totally love and endorse and support and want more of. It was so funny. There was so many. There was a couple of people um, with the Young Turks. They couldn't do their election like coverage. And I know America sighed and grieved heavily for that. That's like, oh, no, no Young Turks. But yeah, so but that that's some on a positive side. But getting back to the election. There is a couple of positives. Joe Biden lives. Is that a positive? I, I, it is for 2024 if you want him to run. Do you think he'll actually run? Yes. You don't think After it'll last be Newsom? Night, no. It's definitely not going to be Newsom. But the sad thing is, Jonathan, that I know you didn't want to really get into this, but I just have to bring it up. That's fine. No, it's fine. Okay. I have to bring this up. We're going to have to do another show next week and there's going to be i'm sure an announcement that we'll be talking about won't there yes. uh somebody is supposed to make an announcement from mar lago oh that's right yes well that's that's been the biggest secret it's just been a question of when donald trump is running there's no well, doubt trump is not running the that he's not or that he is. No, he no, he is. There's no okay. doubt he's not. <laughs> I he is thinking, running. I don't know what news station you're listening to, but well, the thing is that is infuriating to me, and it's really frightening for me that if Trump has his way and he is able to be the ticket for the Republican Party, Biden would still have a fairly good chance of winning. We shall see the hypothetical matchups. Like, but I think if Biden is the nominee, he is going to be. He is so old. He is so out of touch. I think there's a chance after that election last on um, Tuesday night that they he he goes to his base and says, "Look, it wasn't that bad. You know, there was a, there was this big rave promised. You know, most presidents, you know, in their in the midterms lose. You know, lose especially if they have the House and the Senate. The election results weren't that bad." You know, let's stay with me. Let's stay the course. I'm going to be the worker for you. You know, you know what I stand for. You know where I am. But and also, by the way, who else is there? The Gavin Newsom talk for me is not is not realistic. 
he doesn't fit their intersectionality criteria of running for president. And if if it, what is sorry, that? go ahead. What is that? You have to be some type of minority. You have to be gay. You have to be my, uh, race. You have to your sexuality. You have to be something. Or the, old. the idea of or old. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's it's but yeah, he doesn't fit any of it. He's just a straight white guy who's actually rather bland and milquetoast. Like, you know, he, he'll have a lot of money. Like, there'll be people backing him, and he, he is running. But, like, the idea of him getting the nomination, like, can you imagine it? Like, at least Hillary had the choice. Like, you know, the Democrats need to have something to vote for. Hillary, the reason you voted for Hillary was, well, she'd be the first female president. The reason they voted for Biden in 2020 was, well, let's just stop Trump, and he's the nominee. I thought but you like were going to say because he was the first like octogenarian. Is he an octogenarian? <laughs> he's something. And the crazy thing, just on a side point, you know, if you want to solve America's problems, start electing people who can actually see out their terms. Did you see Chuck Grassley is 89 years of age and he just got elected to the Senate for another six year term? He's got to be 95 by the time he gets out of office. 90. Five. Now I'm not. I don't believe in ageism. If you're the best person, like because there, I, there are people I know in my church who are seventy years of age and they're just incredible. Like but they're they're young. Years they're older than them. I know it's. I know he still is. So I'm not an ageist. But like at some point, you need to stop electing people like to make it look like a retirement home. Like at 89, what have you got to offer? Seriously, at 89. Like, look, I, I, this is what annoys me about these people is like, if I'm 89 years of age, I'm literally like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm just going to live the last few days of my life, whether that's a day, a week, a month, or if I get several years, awesome. But I am not going to DC, but they cling to power so much on both sides of the aisle. That's so that's incredible. We need some type of age talk where we can kind of stop getting these people who are in their 80s and 89 years of age elected. Well, which like, brings us to term limits, right? We need term limits, yes. not yes. only because we're going to have to start putting beds for people to take naps in their offices, but also because of that power that is really hard to yeah. not be corrupted by after you've been there for so long. I have to just say this before I talk about the term limits. When Donald Trump came out with called him Sleepy Joe, that was not an invitation to make more people in Congress sleepy. All right. But yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, I believe in the Washington rule. Two terms and you're done. Now, you can do more than two terms in the House, maybe six, you know, maybe make it 12 years. But then you're done. Go home. Make a living. This idea that someone can live off the government teeth their whole life and produce nothing is horror and i don't care you could be a constitutionist you could agree with you could be me and i would still say the same thing the idea of someone literally working in government their whole life it's not healthy it's not moral and it's wrong go home make something add something of value to the culture and not just be someone who's in government their whole lives like that's rather sad and what have don't we seen think? by joe biden too is that you can spend all that time in government not accomplish anything and you could still become the president of the United States. 
I know. And you can be wrong on everything as well. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. He was horrible on foreign policy. He was horrible on when the, the on, on crime bills when he was authoring them back in the 70s and 80s. He's been on the wrong side of most issues. Um, that's 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 his history. That's his track record. So, but yeah, no, we need term limits. We need we have so many other problems. But I will say this, and we, I'd like to finish up this segment with this. Do you know one of my pet peeves with, with people on social media, and just this as an example, is they are so silent when it comes to the primary, but they are so vocal when it comes to the general election. You nominated so many bad candidates this cycle. Like, let me give you one example: the the, the race in Pennsylvania, fatter woman. Right? How did that guy win? Sorry, how did that woman win, or whatever he's identifying now as? How? The guy can can't string two sentences together. He makes Joe Biden look like I don't know the best the best order of the day. He makes him look like Franklin Franklin Graham. Well, this is the thing. It seemed as if that the candidates that Trump endorsed and was a huge part of. People ran away from in, in in swing states. They didn't do so good because they considered it too radical, too MAGA, and it mm-hmm. scared them away. Because yeah. in no reality should Fetterman have won. It makes no sense that you cannot criticize someone for not being able to speak, to communicate. Mm -hmm. to get his ideas across, to understand that that is labeled as ableism Mm -hmm. and the other candidate loses. How does that make sense in any reality? Because the left love victim status. That's that's their whole mentality. You've got to be a victim because if you're a victim, I can then convince myself that I'm compassionate and that I'm somehow better than you because guess what? I'm standing up for you. You... You're a victim. You got you got to lay down. I'll be your champion. I'll be your warrior. I'll be your fighter. And look, can you just all just stop for a moment and just pause and just give me a pat on the back because I'm freaking awesome. Look, I'm standing for this victim. He's just this poor guy, and all he had was a stroke. And you want to, you know, you right wing MAGA people want to start victimizing this man? I'll I'll fight for him. Oh, there's there's you know racism. Look, is there racism in America? Yeah, there is. There's, there's going to be racism around the world. That's just a fact of life. But is America a racist nation? No. But if I convince you that there is, and that it's way overstated with the likes of Black Lives Matter, well, then I'm your champion. I'm your fighter. I'm, I'm here for you. And I think that's the problem that we have in society. We're looking to be, we're looking for victims, and then we're looking to make us fight for those victims and then expect everyone to tell us how great we are. That's the far left. That's the progressivism. Why? Because the ultimate aim is they want to empower government. And if everyone is strong and independent and vibrant and doesn't need a champion, then why do you need governments? We all know why you need government because of the Declaration of Independence to protect your rights. There's always a need for it. But like if you, you know, if you want to grow government and make things better in your eyes, you need victims. And that's why intersectionality, that's why Gavin Newsom, barring a massive accident, now, if, 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 he, if he was, let's say, had this massive accident, which I don't wish, I don't want that on anyone. If he had something like, you know, like Fetterman, then maybe he could win and, and run the nomination. Why? Because he's a victim. But like the idea of someone like, you know, Newsom as is overtaking Kamala Harris, that's the problem the left have. Kamala Harris fits the criteria. She's black. So they have to find someone and you've got her as VP and most people when they're VP look at the next, you know, the line of succession. 
So she's looking at the presidency. The question is, how did the Democrats get her away from the presidency? Because as a Republican, as a conservative, as a constitutionalist, and also as someone who has a really kind of twisted sense of humor at times, I would love nothing more than Kamala Harris. Like, she's comedy gold. Like, that cackle alone makes Hillary Clinton's laugh look awesome. So they've got massive problems. Well, my last thing is that I wanted to say is that you're talking about the victim. But how do they expect someone in that condition to rally for the victim once they get into office? Because you'll always find some type of oppression. Trump hates him, her. Look at the line of it. That's what's been consistent. They always need you to be a victim of something. If you if you raise some questions in certain parts of this country, now you're labeled a threat to democracy. Why? Because I raised the question. You know, are you know you're a right wing extremist? I can say this as someone who lived under socialism in Ireland. People who want government and like victims will never ever stop finding reasons to be a victim. This is a government thing, but this is also an individual thing. If you look at people who convince themselves, and as someone who suffers with bipolar, I can tell you, talk about this at length is, you know, when you have lack of self-confidence and you believe you're a victim, the hardest thing to do is get out of that mentality because you you're, you convince yourself the world is against you. You convince yourself that says, you know, well, I'll, I'll never make it. I'll never achieve anything. Why? Because well, I suck. You know, that. so that's it on, a, on, a, on an individual level. But when you expand that out to a, a whole country, you know, like, which is the easiest? This is This is why it's biblical. If I give you a fish every day, or if I teach you how to fish, what we've convinced ourselves now is someone taking their time out to fish and to teach someone else how to fish so they're empowered is not compassion. It's part of the problem. The compassionate answer is to give you a fish today, come back to you tomorrow and give you another fish. If you get that you might get COVID and you might have to isolate for 10 days, what happens then to the person who's waiting there kind of going, hey, where's my fish? Oh, sorry, they have COVID. They accept it. Hey, Jonathan, I have to mention one thing about Florida before we end this segment. You were talking about DeSantis. They opened the state during COVID. We're not going to shut down. We're not going to restrict everybody from going about their daily lives. A lot of the country is paying for that now with our children. Right now, the hospitals are starting to overflow with children and babies who are in the hospital for RSV complications, influenza complications. And do you know what a big part of that is from? It's the masks that they wore for two years have lowered their immune systems to the point where they can't fight off these illnesses. So the, the least compromised of our population were forced to wear these masks. And now they are the ones paying the price. So, Kudos to DeSantis for standing up for the people. And, you know, it's an example. And this is not a pro-DeSantis, you know, show. This is a principled show. But if you want to start making inroads, look at Ron DeSantis and kind of go, hey, what's he doing? What did he do? And how can we do it? And then all of a sudden you'll start seeing other states become really conservative. And that makes America turn back. Before we finish up today and talk about what's happening this week in what happened yesterday um, in Veterans Day, I just want to correct one of the mistakes I made. So when I said that the LDS church came out against Mike Lee, they didn't. Um, he ca- he characterized Trump as Captain Moroni. That's right. Moroni. Very good. Moroni. Moroni. And uh, they weren't very happy with that. And they basically said, no, 
so that's the, that was the thing I heard that the church had criticized them. I I apologize. I've been on I've been on a mission up in uh, up in Michigan, so I've been uh, kind of only catching the news. And I obviously clearly came in at the end of that story when I sh- when I was like, oh wow. Well, so. just so you know, Jonathan, we consider Moroni a prophet. Okay. Thereby, you can see the comparison with Trump. Really, <laughs> doesn't hmm. it's not a sure. Comment. Sure, I don't did, consider uh, did, Trump uh, a Captain- prophet. Did Captain Moroni have awesome hair like Trump does? Captain Moroni yeah. is a is a prominent figure in the Book of Mormon. So I do have to ask you just, you know, because I'm learning a lot about different faiths and stuff. So are you allowed to like joke like I did, or like did I like did I just kind of blaspheme in your faith that made a joke like about his hair? No. no? Okay, cool. I'm just making sure. Because some people are very particular about who what you can say about their prophets or their special people. So you gotta take things with a grain of salt, don't you? That's the problem with us today. Everyone uh-huh. gets offended by everything. I'm offended. So yesterday was Veterans Day, and this show is very proud to support our veterans. And Tina has a poem she wants to share with us. She's going to convert us, and she's going to make us more, um, a lot more smarter and a lot more, you know, educa- educated. And uh, yeah, we're all going to be intellectuals by the end of this poem. This is called I Am a Veteran by Andrea Christensen Brett. You may not know me the first time we meet. I'm just another you see on the street. But I am the reason you walk and breathe free. I am the reason for your liberty. I am a veteran. I work in the local factory all day. I own the restaurant just down the way. I sell you insurance. I start your IV. I've got the best looking grandkids you'll ever see. I'm your grocer, your banker, your child school teacher. I'm your plumber, your barber, your family's preacher. But there's part of me you don't know very well. Just listen a moment. I have a story to tell. I am a veteran. I joined the service while still in my teens. I traded my prom dress for camouflage greens. I'm the first in my family to do something like this. I followed my father like he followed his. Defying my fears and hiding my doubt, I married my sweetheart before I shipped out. I missed Christmas, then Easter, the birth of my son, but I knew I was doing what had to be done. I served on the battlefront, I served on the base, I bound up the wounded and begged for God's grace. I gave orders to fire, I followed commands. I marched into conflict in far distant lands. In the jungle, the desert, on mountains and shores, in bunkers and tents, on dank earthen floors. While I fought on the ground, in the air, on the sea, my family and friends were home praying for me. For the land of the free and the home of the brave, I faced my demons in foxholes and caves. Then one dreaded day, without drummer or fife, I lost an arm. My buddy lost his life. I came home and moved on, but forever was changed. The perils of war in my memory remained. I don't really say much. I don't feel like I can. But I left home a child and came home a man. There are thousands like me, thousands more who are gone. But their legacy lives as time marches on. White crosses and rows and names carved in queue remind us of what these brave souls had to do. I'm part of a fellowship, a strong, mighty band of each man and each woman who has served this great land. And when old glory waves, I stand proud, I stand tall. I help keep her flying over you, over all. I am a veteran. Wow, I've never heard that before. 
I just found beautiful. it yesterday. I fell in love with it. It's beautiful. It's it sums up the the story because you know veterans are are just like us. They are the you know the insurance salesperson, the teacher, the nurse, the doctor, but they uh, they have an incredible backstory, and they risked everything. You know, so if you're a veteran today and every day, we say thank you. But especially um, yesterday, I hope yesterday was a blessed day for you. Um, it's a day that I'm so glad you're here and that you made it back alive. So, Tina, who have you got in your show this week? I have a very special show this week, Jonathan. What I did is I went back through all of my previous episodes. And with every single episode, as I did with you, Jonathan, I asked, what does America mean to you? So I took clips from many of the veterans that I have spoken to, and I put their clips into one big episode. I hope that people will listen to and really get a feel for our veterans. And you can catch this by going to www.wethepeopleouramericanstory.com. And finally, we salute our U.S. military, police officers, firefighters, and first responders. And I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever forget the sentiments of Stokeville. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. That's not because of politics. That's not because of the Santos or Trump or Biden. It's because of each and every one of you. Last night, I'm not going to lie, I was disappointed. But there was some positives. Now, let's build upon them. Let's not lick our wounds. Let's build upon them. And let's work to restore our constitutional republic. We are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. And let us build something that our kids and our grandkids will be so proud of and be so thankful for us. Let us strive to become the greatest generation and overcome this regime. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week, America. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.